Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, from the basement of Holden Hall. This is the ninth episode in season two of the Breslin Breakdown, and I'm your man, Nathan Stearns, joined once again alongside Bobby Zephro, two, two of the four members of the Michigan State women's basketball beat, and we will be sure to get our daily digest of Michigan State women's basketball in the future, but for right now... I would t- like to take a little bit of time to just talk about Mark D'Antonio announcing his resignation earlier. I was actually in my ISB class around 2.30 yep. when I saw it on Twitter. And it's it's times like this when you can't act like nothing's going on and just immediately jump right into what we're supposed to. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of happy it broke when it did because like, I was in the middle of like my history of World War II lecture. And you can imagine how exhilarating that is. And then all of a sudden I see... You know, our group chat just blowing up, and it's like, uh-oh, it's like, it happened. Like, I mean, it's just like, why, like like you say in the Breslin Breakdown, like the little sheet you got here, why now? You know, it's like such a weird timing. It kind of, you know, as you're probably going to get into, kind of puts us in a bad spot, and I'll let you elaborate more on that, because... I, I know where you're going. I yeah. know where you're going. And yep. I, I wrote a column earlier, I was actually... Instead of paying attention to my instructor's wonderful lecture on arthropods, I thought it would be a better idea to sit in the back, whip out my computer, and punch out a quick column because timeliness is so important with things like this. And it wouldn't be fair to me to speculate why. It wouldn't be fair of me to sit here and say this is definitively why he called it quits. But as with everything in life, timing is everything. And right now, his resignation at this time in early February in 2020, leaves a lot more questions than answers. Because at this point, all the really hot assistant coaching candidates are gone. You know, why now, instead of October, you could have said, I'm going to coach through the bowl game. Why not in the, the time between the last game of the year against Maryland and the pinstripe bowl against Wake Forest? Why, why, why not announce it then? What realization could you possibly have come to between Maryland and Wake Forest. And that's what I don't get. Okay. What epiphany awoke you in the middle of the night that's going to allow you for that? And I, I, I'm going to try not to go all Mike Valani like he did earlier. But regardless of intent, regardless of the reason why it puts this program in a tough spot, the intent in this instance matters, but it also doesn't. Because at the end of the day, this program is shafted right now. Recruits, national signing day is tomorrow, and we got 20, Michigan State has 20 three-star recruits. And right now, those young men are probably losing their minds. Because when you sign a national letter of intent for a football program, you are buying into the message, the sales pitch that D'Antonio and the rest of the Michigan State program sold you on. And now everything they told you is gone. You don't know who's going to be the head coach. There's a halfway decent chance knowing how this university operates from the inside out, the emphasis that they put on loyalty that Trestle might get the head coaching job. Heard Luke Fickle, obviously, in the rumor mill. Mm -hmm. Robert Sale has popped up with his connections being a Michigan man, being an assistant here in 2002 and 2003. Can't forget about Narduzzi. Pat Narduzzi, absolutely. (laughs) I just, any one of those guys has a shot. So as a recruit, what happens if you stay along and then some Pat Narduzzi comes in and you don't like the message? Michigan right. State's already at a point right now where they're losing a lot of talent. They're not bringing much in. 
three stars aren't going to light the world on fire. We don't, Michigan State doesn't have four stars, five stars coming in. Right. And frankly, I, I'm at a loss for words because I don't know what could have caused this. Well, especially when you talk about, you know, MSU, you know, 23 stars most of the time, like, that's how it is. But now, you know, MSU's had this framework and, you know, they built they build their players. You know, you get your time when you're junior, senior. If you're a very exceptional sophomore, obviously you're an all-world freshman. You're going to play. But now that, like, that whole blueprint is gone, you don't know as a player, you know, like you said, you don't know what's going to happen because the, you know, the Michigan State development divide and conquer now it's it's gone and if you bring in someone else who like you said could have a totally different philosophy some of these kids will probably just be like be well, i'm never exodus. gonna see the field be yeah, I'm never gonna see the field. and looking at twitter right now just for anybody listening right now apparently according to kyle austin and chris solari thomas kithier's out tonight due to an illness versus penn state breaking news so michigan stayed a little bit shorter on the bench but they still have three other solid four options and just looking down scrolling down my twitter feed right now nathan stern's 11 at nathan stern's 11 for all those of you who want to give me a follow <laughs> bill beekman was quoted by solaria saying that michigan state has been pre- preparing for d'antonio's departure for some time but all of the big openings have already been filled dave aranda how fast did baylor move when rule left and they hired dave aranda Mike Leach About as leaving. Fast as you could. <laughs> exactly. They had their man in mind. Now you're going to wait until mid February. This isn't a good look for the recruits. This isn't a good look for the university. Whether it's connected to the Chris Blackwell situation, I'm not going to speculate on. But last night it was revealed that his lawyers went to D'Antonio's lawyers and they filed another deposition with a couple of NCAA recruiting violations and overall football violations and 14 hours later he calls it quits so correlation may not equal causation i'm not saying it does i'm not saying it doesn't but just the timing of it is really really strange and right now east lansing is the equivalent this entire football program is the equivalent of rome on fire while emperor nero's playing his flute okay that's where Michigan State football is right now. We went from thinking it might be the last year he calls it quits to, okay, he might stay on, fire some of his assistants. Now the question is, what do you do? What about in the offseason when you're trying to do film review, when you're trying to build that cohesiveness, when you're trying to figure out a starting rotation, especially on the offensive line where you had half a million players start? And it just, the timing of this is, this isn't December. Okay, they're going to have spring ball in a couple months. And you don't have a clue of who your head coach is going to be. If you had a clue, they would be here by now. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a revelation that we all knew his day was coming. Okay, this what we knew he wasn't going to be here for another decade. Right. But in this fashion, now is what is so shocking. On this day, February 4th, 2020 at approximately 2:30 p.m. That's when everything was announced. And what's tomorrow, Nate? National Signing Day. You damn right. <laughs> and that for me is it. It just leaves a bitter taste in my mouth because we've talked. I mean, Spartan Red Zone has gone over this in depth. Green and White has gone over this in depth. But for me, at least, 
he built this program up to a pinnacle that he, it has not seen since the days of Duffy Darty. Right. And now it's right back to where we to where Michigan State started. Okay, they have reached that same endpoint with a mediocre roster, coaches who frankly should be in the unemployment line, and really no program direction for the future. And when you build something up, you don't have a right to just tear everything down. That's not how this works. That's not how life works. I don't get to say, oh, we've made really good strides with the women's beat. Let me undo everything that we've done over the last several months. That's not how this works. Yeah. Yep, we're done. That's it. We did a good job. So, <laughs> obviously, it will be really interesting to see what comes out of this in the days and weeks and months ahead. I, we're just getting started. This will not be the last word that's said on this. And for me, it's going to be really interesting. This is why I, I, I joined journalism. Right. It really is because this is how we make our bread and butter. This is how the journalism community makes their bread and butter. Yeah, and then just one last thing on it. You know, he always says he's a pro. Like, that's been one of his mottos, you know, program. Like you said, do earlier, what's in the best interest program. of the program, yes. Do you think leaving right now is the best interest? In fact, it might be the worst thing that, I mean, between him staying. Would you rather let me let me pose a question to you though? Would you rather he stays for this season or would you rather he left? Like I, exactly I don't know. I, I wish we were they would have gone one direction or another. At least go in this direction or go in this direction. Like don't at least, wait at least the, know where you're going. At least don't wait right? until the worst possible time when you have spring ball in a couple months and then say, Oh, no, l- let's go in this direction a month after the season ends. Month is a long time. Mm-hmm. But we do have to get to what we're asked to do, and that's cover some Michigan State women's basketball. For the Spartans, it's been more of the same. Got molly whopped by Maryland last night, 94-53, lost to Purdue at home, 76-66. Those two losses dropped Michigan State to 4-7 and seven in conference and an even 11-11 11 and 11 on the season. So for Michigan State Yikes. right now, I'm not a guy who's ever prided myself on blaming injuries and saying, oh, we lost this person and this person, so we can't be good. Every team deals with injuries. But the sheer amount, I think, bears an exception. I do. Because after that Purdue game on Thursday, Tori Osmond may be done for the year with a severe concussion. Those things can always be finicky. Marjorie Cook tears her Achilles, and we know we knew Victoria Gaines was going to be out, and Shea Colley was as good as gone. So... For Michigan State, that's four key contributors that you lost. This isn't a football roster where you have 115 players and you can just keep rotating people in. You have 15 players and that's it. Whoever's in, in, who's ever out, out. And for Michigan State, not only do you lose four players, but you have other players like Terry McCunchin and Kayla Bellis, who, if the situation weren't so dire, probably wouldn't be playing. Mm-hmm. We were in that presser and Susie talked about how Kayla Bellis is like a bursa sack on her meniscus <laughs> and how she thought that she was done for the season. She's not. She's going to fight through it, but she was wearing a big compression sleeve on her lower ankle, mm-hmm. and McCutcheon has still been playing through that finger, and she really hurt her ankle last night. I don't know how severe that's going to be, but she was helped to the bench. I saw the replay, so that could be huge going forward. But for the Spartans, it was a decent offensive game. 46% from the field. I mean, they weren't great from the stripe. 14 to 22 from the charity stripe. 4 to 15 from the beyond the arc. But all in all, you look down the box score. 
Mo Joyner, 5 of 9. Terry McCutcheon, 5 of 11. Caleb Ellis, 5 of 7. Osmond comes off the bench, gives you six points on two of four from the floor. Tyre Parks goes one of one. Overall, they were good. And where we've seen this team struggle is go through offensive spells where it's what did you send? Did you lose your forwarding address in the process? <laughs> and Purdue came into the contest averaging 65 points a game. And the Boilermakers could not miss. That was probably honestly mm-hmm. the worst I have seen the Spartan defense in a long time. Well, yes, that... Northwestern planted them. It scored a lot more points, but a lot of that was in transition. A lot of that was in silly turnovers when you have right. a three-on-one and Northwestern's going the other way. This was straight five-on-five, Northwest or Purdue shooting over you, under you, and Dominique Odin was an absolute monster inside. 22 points, nine rebounds. McLaughlin couldn't miss. Uh-huh. Seven of 11 from three. Every time Michigan State had a pulse, it was a deep three, and some of the baskets that she made wasn't on anybody. They were just out of out of right. out of town. I mean, at that point, there was a point like when I was recording the broadcast, I said, I mean, geez, at this point, a hand in the face is just a waste. I mean, she was I mean, there was like and you're not, two straight two back to back possessions, too. She just ended the shot clock, pulled up at the top of the key, just with a hand in her face. And oh, it's you're like, not what talking you gonna, about like, a wide open three in the quarter. You're talking about it her shooting from the logo. Yeah. That's like they what were, it amounted to. And at that point, you know, I've been watching this sport long enough. Everybody who's been watching basketball long enough knows when those shots go, you know, it's not going to be your night. Right. And Spartans, give them credit, fought and they fought and they fought. But Carissa McLaughlin just could not miss. 8 of 15 from the floor, 7 of 11, and 4 or 5 of those threes, you just sat there and I'm looking over at Charlotte and my mouth just drops. Right. It's like, what do you do? What, what possibly could you do? They have not seen a guard with that range maybe all season. Mm-hmm. And she came into the contest averaging 13 points. So good, not great. And then she pops off for 24. Ariana Harris gives you 16 and 9. So you're talking about between the combination of Odin and Harris gets you 18 boards. Yep. And that's not good On enough. On top of that, Odin going to the free throw line 12 times, sinking 10. Six for eight from the floor. I mean, the big difference for me. (laughs) The big difference for me was 25, 20 seconds of good execution, and then the last two seconds just completely forgetting how to play defense. How many times did you see Michigan State give up an open basket or foul or hack someone when there was two left on the shot clock? I can probably count four times on my hand. And that's the most demoralizing thing for a basketball team. When you're not, you 90, 95% of that possession, you play really well. You did exactly what you're supposed to. And it's the last 5% yep. that does you end. And then you might as well have not tried at all. And Purdue did not get worn down. Spartans got out to a 12 to three lead. And honestly, early I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be one of those games where they hold home court advantage, mm-hmm. where they hold serve at home, where they run away with this. But what we've become accustomed to seeing is it's that mid-first quarter lull where the Spartans struggle to make shots, where the offensive execution goes out the window. This team has a really hard time when they have an opportunity to really put a team in an uncomfortable spot early. You want to make a team uncomfortable, put them down by 15 early. Put them down by 20 early. Because you're playing catch-up the rest of the game, and it really dictates what you can do from from a rotation aspect, from a scouting aspect from an offensive aspect, you have to change your offense. 
more importantly, yeah, for a pace aspect too, because at that point, you got a 15, 20 point lead, you're playing at whoever's got the lead, you're playing at their pace. Exactly. You're playing their game. It- and if, yeah, being, like you said, being uncomfortable and forcing another team to play at your pace. That's that's how you win. And that's how Michigan State on the men's side has lost games to Wisconsin and lost games to Indiana. They play you get their the pace. crowd into it. When you go to an away arena and you automatically look, and, oh, the game started 10 minutes ago and we're already down by 15, everything you prepared for goes out the window. Right, because then you just got to do whatever you can. Like, scrap the game plan. Let's just get as many points. Exactly. We got to come back, you know. And allowing a team to shoot 52% from the field and 47% from three, eight of 17, will not win you any games. Mm -mm. And give credit to Michigan State, especially in the fourth quarter. Kept fighting, kept fighting, kept fighting, but it's not enough. And this season is becoming that story of not being enough. Because at this point, any hopes after the Purdue game, any hopes that this team had of making the NCAA tournament were gone. You're not making it at 11 and 10 and 4 and 6 in conference. It's just not happening. Mm -hmm. And you're at a point now where Minnesota's now leapfrog you. You're both 4 and 7. And Minnesota right now is on the line to get the WNIT seat. So Michigan State... It's going to have to beat Minnesota at home. That might be for a WNIT berth. The record goes out the window. It's whoever can really get to that 9-10 line. And the Spartans are still there, but you knew it was going to be a tough game, but a game they had to win. In this brutal five-game stretch that involves going to Northwestern, going to Maryland, home against Northwestern, away against Iowa, this was the easiest game. It was. Purdue's not ranked. Purdue was... It, coming into that game was five and four in conference coming into your building they're five you know. and four they're good they're not great they're not world beaters they don't have three people like iowa does averaging 15 16 a game and you go out there and you don't do enough you don't do enough and nia Cloudin doesn't do enough and i'm you know gonna try not to go too hard on her but good golly the last Four games, when you include the Maryland game, have just been atrocious. Mm-hmm. After the Purdue game, I did a little bit of calculation. I wrote it in my column. We had three games. She's shooting 26%. You are one of the healthy players who has some of the most God-given talent on this team, and you're regressing. You are regressing right now, and that cannot happen. Right. Not for a team that really right now needs all the help it can get. Okay? Mm-hmm. If assuming Michigan State, let's say Gabe Brown, Aaron Henry, and, I don't know, Julius Marble gets sick. That means Cassius Winston and Tillman have to step up more. They can't go back to a point that they were while Henry and Brown and whatever were still healthy. Right. And that's exactly what's happened. She's getting 16, 17 a game, but it's coming at the expense of taking 20 shots. And I asked Susie in the postgame, and you saw how frustrated she was getting. Her initial response was, I don't know, you're going to have to ask her, but it's getting frustrating. Mm-hmm. Because she, in Susie's eyes, she's now gone from a point of playing the ball, doing everything herself, playing her game, to just driving wildly and expecting that she's going to get a foul call. Right. And once you start going away from your identity as a player, bad things happen. And especially with, you are the best scorer on this team, let's be honest. Especially with Taryn at 60%. 65 maybe yeah it's not easy to completely change your shooting hand halfway through the season during a three-game break and that's exactly what she's had to do and nia is one of the only players this year 
knock on wood, that hasn't missed any practice time with injury, that hasn't had to have load management. Well, now look what you did. You know what you did, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I, I, it, it's a point. It's a fair point. Right, Terry, yeah. Mardrika, Bellis, Parks. It just goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. But she's one of the only consistent ones. Her and Nia Holly and Mo, frankly, are the three players that night in and night out have been starting for you, have been healthy. You've been able to count on them. And that's out of that trio, you have a talented freshman who is getting better, but I don't know if it's her time to step up in the spotlight yet. I don't think it is. A senior who's always been more of a complimentary piece than a legitimate starter that's no diss to Nia Holly. She does a lot of things really well, mm-hmm. rebounding, defensive awareness, but she never was going to light the world on fire from an offensive perspective. That's just not who she is. She never had a huge shooting game, even coming in to East Lansing. So she was always more of a really good complimentary role player than she was a legitimate bona fide starter, but she's been thrust into this role at this point in conference play because nobody can stay healthy. Right. And now you're at a point where you're even fighting to make the WNIT. And I don't think anybody can blame Merchant because she's doing the best she can with a humdrum ragtag roster. Right now, Michigan State has seven, maybe eight scholarship players healthy. When Claire Hendrickson in Maryland at Maryland last night is getting 24 minutes. minutes. 24. This is a girl who wasn't playing, wasn't touching the floor at all at the beginning of the year. Wasn't the first off the bench, was behind Mardrika, Arald, Osmond, Winston, Cook, on and on. That was five, six people down the line. Mm-hmm. You had Laurel Jackman appear for five minutes. That's the point they've reached because nobody can stay healthy. And it's a shame that injuries have derailed what I thought was going to be a special season. Everybody thought it was going to be a special season, especially in the media, mm-hmm. when you're picked to finish in the top five. Actually, they're picked to finish in the top three by both the media and the coaches poll because you're thinking another year of maturation for Jake Holly and her swan song season, another year of maturation for Nia Clouded. You're going to have Coco Gaines, and you have this really talented recruiting class. And I, going into this year, you knew they were going to be contributors. You knew Mo Joyner, Eliza Winston would contribute but they would be able to come along at their own pace Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be thrust into a situation where everything was expedited exponentially like it is now now you gotta play Sydney Dodd's getting 15 a game Dodd was the third string center coming into the season actually no the fourth now that I think about it behind Coco Gaines Tyre and Caleb Ellis Mm -hmm. and now she's getting 15 minutes it's because nobody is healthy we heard her Susie, after the postgame, say Dodd is not ready for this stage yet in her conditioning, in her defensive acumen, just the mental aspect of things. She's not there yet. But you have to put someone on the floor. You can't go up there with four. And that's the point you're at right now. If Taryn's out, God forbid, if Moe's out, she was really struggling last night. She finished the game, I believe. But you're talking eight. You know, nine healthy players, and two of them are Sydney Dodd and Cla- and uh, Laurel Jackman and Claire Hendrickson, who really haven't played at all, mm-hmm. uh, for, albeit for different reasons. Hendrickson obviously comes to came to his Lansing last year is a projected sharpshooter, but she struggled with injury. She's been fighting problems with her knee and her lower body the entire time, her entire tenure here, and now 
you're at a point where it, 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 it feels like a broken record because I come here every week and we come here every week and vocalize this injuries, 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 but it's, it's a fair point. You have two more starters that came out last night, including one who's the most valuable player on your team, not necessarily the best player, but in terms of effort, defense, making key shots, she epitomizes, she's an undersized guard, and she epitomizes what this program has been about. All four years as a starter, when she came in, it was Tori Jankowski that was leading this program, and four years later, Taryn has taken her spot on the pinnacle with Nia Holly. And it would break my heart. It would. It would break my heart to to not see her be able to suit up in the final home game at the Breslin Center because she's hurt. Yeah. She doesn't deserve that. No one on this team deserves the cruel course of fate that's been dealt to them. And it, it it's hard because she would like nothing more, I'm sure. I, I was I was at the home game last year, that final home game when Michigan was playing Michigan State at home at the Breslin. And Jenna Allen comes across the Spartan logo, kisses the logo, and you have her entire family there. And then she goes into the locker room, gets ready for the game. That's what Taryn would want to do. It wouldn't be the same to have her kiss the logo, go see her family, and then go sit in the stands. say, then walk to the bench. Exactly. And that, I hope, is not what's is is what's going to happen. But the injury last night against Maryland, it didn't look good. Spartans lose 94-53. to We had a feeling going into that game, the impact crew, that it was going to be a rough night for the Spartans, and it was. Mm -hmm. Michigan State at full power might not be able to beat Maryland, but you combine that with the fact that this team just right now is not healthy. 60% capacity, absolutely. And, I mean, you you look 33% from the field. They they were better from the charity start. That's the one good thing I can find. 10 of 11 from beyond the line. Nia Cloud, 8 of 8. Caleb Ellis, 2 of 2. Tyre Parks, all of one, but now we got to work on you look, shooting you look and every the, other shot. You <laughs> look at at the box score: one of five, Nia Holly, zero of six, Taryn McCutcheon, Mo Joyner with a rare off night, two of thirteen, Nia Cloud, and again four of fifteen. So that's a twenty-five, roughly twenty-five percent clip that she's shooting over the last four games, and that's not going to get it done. It simply is not. But she's going to continue to go out there. And you got to continue to go out there because she's the best thing you got right now. But when McCutcheon is 0-6, Mo Joyner's 2-13, Nia Cloudin's 4-15, Nia Holly's 1-5, you might lose to Penn State at home. If that's the product you're putting out, whether it be to fatigue, whether it be to injuries, the end product is the players that are healthy, Holly, Cloudin, Joyner, they have to get better because that they can control. You can't control who's healthy and who's not. Right. You have to go out there with your best players, and they have to play their best game. Well, that and, I don't know, the last few games, too, I mean, MSU, like, I think more so, like, since, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago, just the field, you look at the field goal percentage, too, for most of the games. I mean, let's see, this one, Purdue, they shot 20, or that was Maryland, they shot 20 to 60, you know, against Purdue, yeah, nice. You go. That is the Purdue stats. Sorry, guys, my laptop is you know. Well, we got you know some more uh, interesting news as I continue to refresh my Twitter because our station manager Joe Dandrin and Aiden Hunt, who was on the football beat this year, are currently covering the Mark D'Antonio press conference. 
And apparently Tom Izzo is going to be a member of the search committee, which is oh. really interesting. And according to our lovable Joe Dandrin, they have talked, apparently, Bill Beekman, the athletic director of Michigan State, and Coach D'Antoni have talked about teaching a class. Can you imagine taking a class led by Coach D? Oh, man. Wow. That would be rather, rather, and that would be a class I, I, I would have to get into before my tenure is done here. But it's just, for a school, and I, I'm going to take a little bit of a larger aspect right here. The golden days of Michigan State Athletics, when Michigan State was going to the Final Four, to the Holiday Bowl or the Cotton Bowl, especially in that 2013 to 2015, well, 2016, I think it 2015 was... range. Your football team's great. Right. Your men's basketball team's on fire. Your women's basketball team's making the tournament. And now, your men's basketball team's good. Your football right. program is going 6-6 six and six every year and earning bowls to the outhouse bowl. And, <laughs> and your women's the team women's... might not make the NIT. Which, I think that would be a career first for Merchant. That would either be your only her first or second time ever doing that. She's made the tournament 9 out of 12 years, and I think she's made the NIT twice. Which, like, at this point, I mean, you can't really put it on I, I, I'm not putting season. on it, right, but right, it's right, still right. the end but result. Just, just throwing that out and there. And it's been, like, this year in general for Michigan State Athletics has just been bad. Volleyball struggles, they fall off a cliff. Wrestling, I was doing that game on mm-hmm. Sunday. They're 1-6. and six. In conference, field hockey doesn't win the game in conference. I think tennis so far is three and one in their matches. Whoa. Really, really, really. <laughs> the revenue and non-revenue sports, with the exception of the men's basketball, and to a lesser extent, women's basketball have just struggled. It's just been an abysmal year from uh, it was a disappointment. A lot of a lot of uh injuries were caused in this one too, but men's soccer, women's soccer didn't make the tournament. They had mm-hmm. a I don't know a they were not good in conference. I know that. Um, and it, it's just not been a good year for Michigan State Athletics. When, pretty, with the exception of your men's basketball team, every other notable sport has been a colossal disappointment. And I actually saw Bill Beekman at the wrestling match. Oh. And this was, and keep in mind, I was the number one team in the country. Mm-hmm. But how this works is you have 10 wrestling matches in different weight classes, 10 different weight classes, and there's two three-minute, or there's three two-minute periods, and at the end, whoever scores more gets three points for their team. Right. Iowa wins nine out of 10 of those matches. Iowa wins 31 to three. In your fourth year, is that the show that you want Bill Beekman to be seeing? Right. Yes, Iowa's the number one team in the country, but you just got mollywopped. And... I hope that this universe, because the fans deserve it, and frankly, it's a lot more fun to cover a winning team than it just is. Right. I mean, I think that's a... Well, plus the, the atmosphere around the team exa- is just so hockey, much okay. better. I forgot about hockey. hockey I will give hockey oh, their yeah, due. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baseball, baseball, off and on. <laughs> Softball's been say. miserable <laughs> for many, many years. They went 16 and 34 last year. And I can tell you that they were miserable because I covered them last year mm-hmm. and it was sad. <laughs> so it, it, it's been a rough year for Michigan State Athletics. And it's been a rough year for the women's basketball team, which I didn't think was going to happen. But it it's not because people were being dumb or people were going out and partying and, you know, players are getting kicked off the team. It's just beyond their control. And you lose 76 to 66 to Purdue. You lose 94 to 53 to Maryland. 
And now you don't know if you have Taryn McCutcheon. Mo Joyner's, I mean, Taryn McCutcheon's status looks bleak. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be forthright. Mm-hmm. When you need help getting to the bench, they're lucky they have a week off. It should be enough, I would assume. And I, and I preface this by saying I assume. Don't take anything I say at face value. <laughs> but I would assume Joyner's fine. Little nicks and brews. But you lose Terry McCutcheon, man. That's the heart and soul of your team that's just ripped well, out. Plus, if you... That just, I mean, what you're going to put... Who are you going to have to start now? Hendrickson? Eliza Winston? Those are two players who are not ready to start. Well, plus, you know, with it being her final year and everything, I mean, McCutcheon... McCutch, McCutcheon, she probably... I don't know if a WNBA future is in her path probably not just because of the size but i mean if you're her you've got to go like from her perspective i feel like she would definitely want to go out there if she can play like if she could do anything to help she'll play and i will say this and having that week is very nice she has always been the consummate professional and if she can't play you know it's bad Right. Because she throw, she goes through more pain, and she's fought. She's like Coco Gaines in this aspect. Where someone like me, if I had the injuries that she did, I'd be sitting in the corner crying in the fetal position. Yeah. But she goes out. She does well. She competes, and she gives you everything. When she comes off the floor, you never ever wonder whether she left, whether she still has right. something left in her. When, I mean, even you see, her, like, sorry to interrupt you, no, but especially fine. in the Purdue game that we went to. I mean, she was she was maybe sixty percent there, and you see her diving on the floor for balls. I was like, "Oh my goodness!" I'm like, she like like you said, she leaves everything out there. And if you were to watch her play defense, you wouldn't think she's hurt because of all the effort she's giving. It looks like you know she's just, but she's got to be fighting through some serious pain. It, it, you know, like you said, it breaks my heart, especially for her. You know, having given so much and meaning so much to this team for it to end like. You know, she has these injuries. It's It stinks. It's tough. It, well, it stinks. And then uh, Tori Osmond was really starting to come into her own. She has this nice little pump fake game and then she drives right to the net. She's bitten people around that. And she's got right. some really nice interior post moves. And I thought we were she was finally starting to turn a corner because she will make moves or she will make shots and threes where you go, okay, that's why they recruited her. Mm-hmm. There's the talent that we've been talking about. There's Buford. And as soon as that happens... She gets hurt, and again, I don't know how long she's going to be out for. Concussions are tricky. There's a protocol you have to follow. You have to be concussion-free for X number of days, mm-hmm. and based on the post-game comments of Susie and based on just the angle I got sitting on the floor, they're holding her arms, and she looked out of it. She just looked out of it like someone had just run, run her over with a train. And for someone that takes charges all the time, that does really good at it, it was discouraging to see because she doesn't, as Susie said, she's not one of those players who comes hobbling off after contact. You have to do a lot to knock her off. You Mm -hmm. do. And for, it it wasn't a dirty play. It was just a hard charge that she took. It was just competitive Big Ten basketball. It was an unfortunate basketball play. It was the same thing with Mardrika Cook. Susie told us after the Purdue game, she was just relaxing. She plants, she falls backwards, and her Achilles gives out. And that's another player who, if coming off the bench, is experienced, knows how to, knows what to do, knows the system. Player, you need players that have played at Maryland, have played at Iowa, have played at Northwestern, 
Now you have a bunch of players. It's different between being on the team and walking into it than actually getting on the floor and playing competitive minutes. Like Claire Hendrickson mm-hmm. and Kayla and Bellis. And doing something with yes, those minutes. Claire Hendrickson and Kayla Bellis were at away games last year. They weren't playing, though. It's a lot easier to warm up, warm up, warm up, go sit on the bench and enjoy it and go rah, 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 cheer your teammates than actually have to prepare to play significant minutes. Mm-hmm. And that, that's nothing against Claire Hendrickson. That's nothing anybody on that team would beat me in basketball 100 to 1. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the fact belies itself that she was a third stringer coming into the season. And she most like that's the first game all year against Maryland where she received significant minutes. I don't think she received more than 15 minutes the entire season. Yeah. And now you're going to ask some, and she's not healthy either. Mind you, Mm -hmm. she's playing through some stuff. The doctors recommend that she shuts it down. And Susie tells us, she says, no, screw it. I am. I'm not doing this again. I'm rehabbing it. And she's playing through that. So you legitimately maybe have five or six players, Eliza Winston, Nia Cloudin, Kayla, or not, I won't include Kayla, Nia Holly, Laurel Jackman, Tyre Parks, that you, Sydney Dodd, who you can say, okay, they're healthy, but Dodd's red shirt's now probably out the window, which hurts. Yeah. With, you still got four or five games left, and if none of these players return, then you're going to have to play someone, mm-hmm. and you can't put... Nia Holly at the four and five, you're going to burn her out. Yeah. And it's, it, it's just a, everything that could have gone wrong this season has. This isn't one or two people losing injuries. This is, if Taryn is out for any extended period of time, you lose three seniors. Okay. You lose a lot of front court depth. You lose a lot of back court depth. And now you're forced to give significant playing time to freshmen who we've sat here and said probably aren't ready for the big game yet. Right. who have a lot of talent and who are going to be really, really good one day, but that day's not today. And now everything's being expedited. And it, 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 I don't know where this team goes from here. I don't, because we're going, me, you, and Darren are going to Northwestern. Yup, yup. And, you know, because we love this team, because we enjoy covering, that's why we're doing it. It's a four-hour drive on a Monday night. We wouldn't be doing it if we didn't. Mm-hmm. But call me crazy i'm i'm going in there completely expecting that i'm gonna have my my game recapped on at halftime mm-hmm. because northwestern beat you by 30 at home now you're gonna go on the road even more with, shorthanded exactly and then you gotta come back home against Rutgers, who you beat on the road but they're gonna be angry there's a very real chance this team will drop the four and nine in conference and at that point you're in big trouble yes you finish off the year well you still got michigan who I'm thinking is more and more likely to beat us with each passing day. Mm-hmm. At this point, I think they still have to go to Purdue. They might not get more than six wins in conference. And this was a team that was supposed to finish second. And I'm not tr- – it's not – this isn't me calling for anybody's job because I think Susie Merchant is one of the best coaches in Division One basketball. I don't think anybody can dispute that. What she's done at this university is impressive – Going to the NCAA tournament time and time and time again in the Big Ten is pretty dang impressive. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, injuries aside, this season's not what anybody had thought or anybody had wanted it to. Taryn McCutcheon said at the beginning of the year she thought this was a borderline Final Four team because you would you would have freshmen coming off the bench, but it would be at their time and they would know to play within themselves. Now you're going to have a lot of people 
who are going to try to go beyond their capabilities and do everything themselves because they feel the pressure. Mm -hmm. They know what the record is. They're well aware that they're 11-11 and and 4-7 and in conference. They're well aware that they're in the midst of a four-game losing streak, and they are well aware that their WNIT hopes are on life support. Not on life support, but are slipping away. Yeah, I'm saying it's, it's not life support. It's about... They're they're checking into the hospital at least you know <laughs> I mean I mean their 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 NCAA tournament hopes are dead yeah but flatlined it just, and this team the, making the tournament wasn't the goal for this team they wanted to get into the second weekend of the tournament and mm-hmm. now all your goals you basically might as well just take and throw out the window because nobody can stay healthy and everything that you planned on you got to throw mm-hmm. and you got to put. A healthy Michigan State team does not play Claire Hendricks in 25 minutes a game. A healthy Michigan State team does not see Laurel Jackman, who's a walk-on, touch the floor. And a healthy Michigan State team does not see Sidney Dodd, who came into the year, as the fourth-string center getting 15 minutes a game. Okay? Not when Merchant said a week ago that she wasn't ready. That it, it, it's nothing to say she's not going to be a good player. I'm sure she's going to be a very good player. They recruited her for a reason. The recruiting staff at Michigan State is very, very smart. But some progress faster than others. And in this modern day and age where convenience is everything, um, we forget sometimes that some people need to be brought on a little bit more slowly. They'll still be good, but some people can run a mile in three minutes and some it takes six, seven, eight. And for Dodd, it might be more of a six-minute mile, where for Mo Joyner, it might be more of a three-minute mile. And there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, you have four years here for a reason. This isn't a one-and-done situation. But do I think that Dodd is playing right now with because she's legitimately ready? No, I don't. No. <laughs> I, I, I just don't. Not after everything I've heard. Not after what I've seen. What I think is happening is it's Susie saying, we got to get some minutes. This is what the Tigers rotation does. To mention the Detroit Tigers briefly, do you think that Jordan Zimmerman and Ivan Nova this season are there because they're, like, ready, because they're good? They're there for the sole aspect to log innings so that when the good players, Mize Manning, Scooball, Wentz come up, they will be ready. And you have to have someone eat minutes, just like Mm -hmm. you have to have someone on the Tigers staff eat innings. And you're at the point now where... Ballas is being limited. She had a good game last night, but she's going to struggle to get more than 20 minutes just because that bursa sack flares up at the worst possible times. Tiger Parks has a really good affinity for getting herself in foul trouble early and often, especially when Michigan State's a big big ball screen switching team. They switch a lot. And Tiger Parks, frankly, gets blown off the ball a fair amount of times when she's lined up against a guard. Mm -hmm. And she'll get two, three personal fouls quickly. And then you look at the bench and go, okay, Nia Holly's already played 25 minutes. Tyre's in foul trouble. Kayla's injured, and if I bring her back out, she, she'll be done for the year. Who do I have left that's, you know, has any size? Okay, Dodd, you're in. That's what it is now. And Just looking for bodies at this exactly. point. Exactly. I mean, I if Susie came to me tomorrow and said, I need you to suit up, I'm bringing out my old Celine Rec basketball jersey. <laughs> but I didn't really want today's episode to be you know, the usual recap of, oh, this is what went right against Northwestern or this is what went wrong against Maryland. And because I I, I don't think it's fair at this point. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, spend 30 minutes on them. Oh, they can't shoot. Oh, they 
are struggling right now because we said that. This episode for me was more about addressing injuries mm -hmm. because we've touched on it, but it's the sheer amount. And a lot of people, when you mention injuries, are, oh, cry. I'm one of those people. Oh, cry me a yeah. river. <laughs> every, you know, every because everybody deals with them. But not every but Big like, Ten team. Three like seniors. This, yeah. Three seniors. You lost, you're basically lost your three captains and probably two or three more key bench players. When you are relying on, when you are burning people's red shirts and you're bringing in, you, we, I played football, you played football. When you're bringing mm -hmm. in members of the scout team in meaningful action, that's when you know the alarm bells are going off. Okay. Well, that, and I mean, if you're a Big Ten team and you know, you have single digit players with, a scholarship that could play for you, you know, that says something. Cause every, like, you know, every other big 10 team has, you know, 11, like of course, barring injuries, but most of them, you know, 11, 12, 13 players on scholarship that they can throw out there. And it, it, it just, we'll go to Northwestern and we'll talk about that game. And we'll probably go to Purdue later on down the line. I, I mean, I just like traveling and seeing the sites and mm -hmm. just being part of it. And you, you ever know, been get to Mackey? No, I got get, one. I got one game at Mackey. I got a few buddies down there, and I, it's, I mean, just, just it's getting loud. Some, just getting some Susie Brownie points is important to me too. But at this point of the season, I can't count any game that I think the Spartans are guaranteed to win. Correct. I thought no, I, I feel five that. weeks ago. Penn State at home, you could write him down for a win, and you could probably write him down for Minnesota, but Minnesota's looked better lately, and Michigan State has looked exponentially worse. And at this point, if they don't have Taron McCutcheon, they might be the worst team in the Big Ten. Just being honest, because your only consistent scoring option is hurt. You have a center who is a decent player when she's at 100%, who's at 50% right now. You have your starting two, whether it be Claire, whether it be Eliza, who hasn't touched the floor at all. You got Nia Holly, who's extremely offensively limited. She does a lot of the intangible, little intangible things, right? But you can't have one decent score, especially when that one decent score is taking the last two weeks off. Yeah. And, like, there's not, I mean, and Mo Joyner, hope she's okay, because going into next season, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end this podcast by just giving a little next season preview, Taryn's going to be gone. And it, 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 it's going to be weird not seeing her in a Spartan uniform. Mm -hmm. Nia Holly's going to be gone. Marjorie Cook, they, I, in my opinion, there might be a 50-50 chance she just shuts it down. She's a redshirt junior, and rehabbing a torn Achilles is not easy, mm -hmm. especially when it happens she in January. could get that six-year, though. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, but there is a chance. There, yes, there, there is a chance. But next year, yeah, Nia Clouded. You have Mo Joyner, you have Julia A. Roll, you have, basically everybody we've talked about is coming back with the exception of Taryn and Nia. And Mardrika is an interesting topic for me because I like on one hand, she 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 wouldn't be doing this if she didn't love the game and she didn't love mm -hmm. playing basketball and she didn't. But this isn't Zion Williamson preparing for the NBA. Let's just be real. She's not mm -hmm. going to the WNBA. And you have to worry about your future health. If you don't rehab this right, the Achilles is a lot more important than the ACL is because the Achilles basically controls your forward and backward balance in your foot. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, I mean, if you tear your Achilles, you still have the LCL. The, are, you, are you a doctor too? I, I'm, I'm not a back? doctor, but I mean, <laughs> I, I, you know, I've read enough and I've 
There you go. Just, 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 just so you never read too much. Yes. Basically, if your Achilles is hurt, you're just basically walking on your feet bones in essence, and you, you don't play around with that. I mean, that's a seven, eight month recovery time. So you're talking about August when she might be back to full power, and that you, you miss all the summer workouts. So I, I mean, and if there's any complications, they add more weeks and more days and more months onto it. So I think she's going to go in rehabbing, but I, there's also a decent chance that I think she just says, you know, I, I've really appreciated my time here. I'm going to pave the way because she, if she leaves them, you still have Tori Osmond. Mm-hmm. You still have Claire. You still have Mo who get Kendall Bostic coming in. Who's an absolute monster. She might compete for a start, a spot at the starting four. Susie's not a big Which start of four, yeah. but four-star, 95, all-state Indiana. And Indiana's a hotbed for mm-hmm. basketball talent. So she's got game and a lot of it. And right now for Michigan State, if you're Susie, you really got to be careful. If Moe's hurt, you don't run her to the ground. You don't want something that's going to fester and linger into next year, and then all of a sudden you have a Josh Langford injury, and injuries derail what could have been a really, really promising career, an NBA career. Mm -hmm. Because next year, if you, what we've seen from Mo Joyner is really encouraging. And when you have Nia Cloud and Mo Joyner, Julia Arold, another, like I, I, I fully expect Eliza Winston to be the first guard off the bench next year and be really, really, really good at it. I expect Tori Osmond to continue to improve her three-point game. I expect Kendall Bostic to come here and show why she was so highly recruited. And then you're talking about another year of maturation. Caleb Ellis has looked a lot better. Let's mm-hmm. let's be real. She has finally started. Looks like a different player from yes, the beginning of the season. To show why. What did she have? 10-8 and eight against Purdue in limited action. Checking the box score. She was decent against Maryland. She was one of the only players. You know, instead of going, you know, two of five. To a six in the post, it's starting to become Twelve six of eight. Four versus Purdue. That's that's good. That is oh, a lot. Oh, sorry, better. no, no, that was Joiner's line. Ten and eight. Yeah, yeah no, like you I had thought, to run on the yeah, money. It, I mean, and they, that's good. Sorry to doubt you, Stearns. Oh, I believe <laughs> me, I uh, I was doubting that. But, and I'm and, and like looking at in nineteen minutes, she was he had fourteen points and three boards against Maryland, who's the number thirteenth ranked team in the country. On a busted, she for me looks more and more like a center of the future. Mm-hmm. A person who can back people down, who's a good rebounder. Once she eliminates the silly foul, she's going to be a monster. She really is that good. And then, obviously, you have Tyre Parks that is gifted with all the potential in the world. And if there's been one good thing that's come out of this whole injury-riddled season and this whole injury saga, it's that these kids have grown Player up. get to play. Mm-hmm. Caleb Ellis has grown up a lot more she- than what... I think she even thought she was going to be asked well, to do in the beginning of the season. She looked almost intimidated yes. out there, like for lack of a better word. But now, you know, she goes up, she seeks contact. She battling in the post, grabbing the boards. Well, I mean, and, she's doing what she's supposed to do. And when I now. talked to her and I wrote that little preview or that little, uh, not preview, that little feature, there is a tendency. I think if you're a bench player and you screw up, it's like, ah, it's okay. I'm looking over at the bench and she'll come in and relieve me. Like, you don't have anybody to relieve you now. You mm-hmm. are the veteran. You're, you're the for example. All, for all intents and purposes, Coco can help you in practice and tell you what needs to be done, but she can't go out there for you and clean mm-hmm. up, and, and, you know, and you have to be the one because you're at a point now where Parks is making more mistakes than you are. 
So Susie's not going to pull you out because you're the best thing she's got. And she's only going to be asked to do more. And on one hand, I'm sure some of the players just want to put this season to bed because it's been so injury rolled. They just want to, you know, get healthy and prepare for next year. But on the other hand, you still got five games. You got what? Five games, six guaranteed games left. Mm -hmm. You have to make the most of each one. And that's the one good thing that you get by playing in Northwestern. You get by playing in Iowa is that when you return, let me think, 13 players that have eligibility after this year, all 13 of them can say, we went to Mackey. We went out mm -hmm. to College Park. We went to Evanston. That's what I was going to say. Like this, even though the injury riddled season, you know, you really do hate to see it in any sport. But in the case of this team with so many young players, and especially a freshman class like the one that they have right now, I don't want to say obviously injuries are never the best thing to happen for a team, but they, they never are. But there's, I a, mean, there's if you, always if you look towards the future and like logistically, you get them more minutes next year. I mean, they'll be at a completely different spot. Some of them this year, like we talked earlier in the year, well, obviously we know Sydney Dodd wasn't going to play much. She's gotten minutes. We didn't think much of, you know, really that much of, you know, A-Ralt coming into the season either. She's gotten so much better. Joyner looks like one of – she's probably a, at this point with the players they have right now, she's like a top three contributor. Yes, and, and she has that ability. And you don't get that if she's you know, a good rebounder. She's smart. She takes it, and then she just, she just, she she handles things on her own. And mm -hmm. it, it's just been a crazy day. I mean, you're talking about. I'm walking past the president. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, the greatest coach in Michigan State football history is 50 feet, or not 50 feet, is you know really close to me, 500 feet away, wherever he is in the basement of. The Breslin Center mm -hmm. is announcing his retirement. There's going to be a huge men's basketball game, and I'm a part of it. It, ju it just gives you a sense of nostalgia because you are now part of everything that this university encompasses. I mean, in mm -hmm. my short two years here, I mean, you see the, the greatest coach of all time resign. You see George Perlis die. You see one of the school presidents step down in controversy. It's just been a wild ride. Mm -hmm. And if the next two years are anything like these two years, buckle up. It's going to be <laughs> a pretty dang good four years here. Dang, lots to talk about, you know, well, a, lot, it, a lot of podcasts. Well, and, <laughs> and I wanted to – that's the great thing about Impact Sports and just this whole station is that we're really given free range with what we talk about, how we organize things, how we perform things. And yes, we are a women's basketball podcast, but it wouldn't be right for me to just say, hello, welcome to another day in East Lansing. Let's talk about not when everybody that right. listens to us and downloads us is interested in Michigan State athletics and not when something like that happens. Mm -hmm. If Tom Izzo retires tomorrow, you think that if we had a football podcast, they would open by saying, oh, yeah, let's just not pretend because then you seem like a fraud. Yeah, let's talk about signing day. Like, that's not what they talk about. No, <laughs> no, no. And it... it, it it's it's just been a whirlwind. It really, really for the and I, I and I'm a noted Carolina Panther fan, as I'm sure many of you have know. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> Greg Olson's gone, Luke Keekley's gone, Cam Newton's status is up in the air. Now Mark Antonio's gone. This has been the most like emotionally invested off season that I have ever been a part of in my 20 years on the face of the earth. It's just been a whirl. Is a fan, is a journalist, is someone who is watching a really talented basketball team have their dreams slip through their fingers 
because of things they can't control. If this team was getting suspended left and right, and if you had players going out and getting drunk and beating people up, that's one thing. It's like, you brought this on yourself. You have to live mm-hmm. with it. None of that's the case. Right. It's a lot more, and this goes with everything in life, it's a lot more tragic when you you do all the little right things and it still doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. And you still get bitten by the injury bug. And you still lose your season because it's completely out of your control. And that's what's so just disheartening for me is that Nia Holly and Taryn McCutcheon, this is not the senior season they imagined. Right. They imagined they'd be going into the second week of the tournament and that they would be the first class to get this team to the Sweet 16 in a pretty long time. And instead, they're going to go out on a team that is going to probably finish with a below 500 record. And especially for someone like Taryn, who's exemplified everything that this university stands for and has been a model student, been a model contributor. And not this only is that, not what she, she deserves. She's given everything, too. She's, not, she's given everything she has. This is not what she deserves. Not what any of them deserve. But it's the reality of the situation. Life isn't fair. Life isn't fair. Maybe that should be the title for this episode. Life isn't fair. Because it's life not. Life ain't fair and neither is women's hoops. <laughs> if, if life was fair and everybody that this Michigan State team was supposed to have healthy played, then this would be a completely different scenario. We would be talking about what restaurants are we going to hit when we go to the tournament. Yeah, That's what we would be talking about instead of why is Sidney Dodd getting 15 minutes a game. But here we are. And as, as, as I wrote in my column, here we are. Okay. A ship can have only so many dents before it eventually sinks. And... Most shifts could weather probably one or two little dents, but you put a thousand dents, it things going into the bottom. You, you hit an iceberg, then you know it's. You put over. a four hundred pound capacity. You put four hundred pounds of capacity on a one hundred pound boiler. What do you think is going to happen? She and that's and that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> and that is exactly what's going to happen. And I don't know if you have anything else that you want to say, Bobby. While I look for, while I debate with myself internally what music we should end with, but um, I, I just. I don't know. I know I've kind of been hogging the spotlight here. But that's what, right, what, man. What, hey, I'll let you, you know, if you got something to say, you could say it. You what, know? That's, uh, what, that's what the point is. But, I mean, I don't know. As far as the season, you know, it sucks to be a senior on this team and have this be like, you know, your farewell tour for lack swan of. swan song. Right. This is what this, you're. The swan song ain't. You know, it stinks it's not when, good. Well, it it stinks when your senior year is the worst year out of the four that you played from exactly. a tournament perspective and from but, a win-loss. Like I said, that ex- I I am a guy who values experience because you can't you can't replicate no. in game reps. You can't. Exactly. So I value experience so much, and the fact that you know all of these young players have gotten so much time this year. You know, I don't want to look ahead to next year. Obviously, when we have five games, six games, but it's hard not to with how we've been going. But you know, I think next season. Shoot, I might come back. I might hop back on the women's we'll beat. See, we'll see. We'll I mean, see. I, I mean, I, I don't know where I'll be, what I'll be doing. Um, but God, I'd love to fill in for a couple of games. Normally, we're not right. allowed to fill in for two beats, but I love this team. I, I mean, because mm-hmm. I love, I love the media accessibility. And when I say I love this team, I don't mean it in a I'm a fan. I just, just the personalities. They're also genuine. The media access. You know, being able to get in Susie's office and she will answer any question that you have for her. Okay, she's honest, she's forthcoming, she's forthright, and I really appreciate that. She's not a fraud. She's not saying something, and then everybody with half a brain knows that she's lying. 
everything that she says is the truth genuine. is honest and genuine. And that's a testament to this program. She's built this program on integrity, on leadership, and that's a testament to her. And that's a testament to what this program is. She's a rock of this. Her and Izzo, with Mark gone, those are the two rocks you have left, man. Yep. They really are. For, on the basketball side of things, those are the only two players that have been here before the start of the decade. And, it, it, I mean, I, I, I don't know where you go from here, whether it be from a football aspect, whether it be from a Michigan State, just, like, athletics aspect, because it, it's interesting times here in East Lansing. It's not boring. That's one thing I can say. It's not boring. Complicated, but not boring. Put it this way. I mean, well, as far as football and women's basketball go, I mean, for Michigan State standards, just about the only thing you can you can go is up. Because, I mean, if you have football, you know, we've been average the first, you know, last few years. That's whatever. But you've seen what, you know, you the have. Pinnacle, the pinnacle. Right. What, what you can achieve. You've seen achieve. what you can achieve. And same, I mean, for this women's team, I don't necessarily, because I haven't been covering or I've been, you know, watching this team for as long as MSU football, but at least I see they are set up for success. Yes, yes. And you can clearly see that they, you know, they'll be fine. Yes. And I'll, I'll finish with this. Okay. Bill Belichick has won, what, how many Super Bowls? I lose track. Six, six. seven, eight. I mean, they've been to what, nine? Seven, I think eight, nine? Six, six and three. Yes. I nine believe. Super Bowls. You think people would be calling for his job if he had three, four win years. Okay, and the people would be saying exactly what I was saying about Mark. Okay, you've led us to the Rose Bowl. You led us to the Cotton Bowl. You led us to three Big Ten championships. Why all of a sudden are we now at the level of Maryland, at the level of Indiana? You've proven that you are more than competent in this job. I mean, I, I've gotten you know, praise for stuff that I've done, whether it be in journalism, whether it be other things, and I hold myself to a high standard. But I can't just say to Mark, oh, well, you know, I think I'm – you know, normally I write an 800-word game recap. Let me write a 300-word game recap and call it good. You see that I'm capable of writing an 800-word recap, so why would you expect anything less than the best? Right. And I, th- there's going to be a lot more to talk about in the upcoming days and weeks and months ahead, folks. But that is a rather action-packed Breslin Breakdown, pretty, Season 2, Episode 9. two people. Yes, I sir. Think. Yes, sir. And we will... Let you guys go and have a great evening, but we are going to give you guys some funky tunes to head out to. See you next Tuesday. No, man, you're thinking of beep-boop-boop-bop, boop-boop-bop. Beep-boop-boop-boop-bop. Beep-boop-boop-bop. Not beep-boop-boop-bee. Bop.